honored in this place. Lord, as we talk about transforming our tongues, we pray that this will be the end result. That our tongues will no longer be used for things that displease you. But will lead us to places where you're honored in everything we say, everything we sing. Thank you for moving among us this morning. Please continue to do that according to your will. We want to receive more from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So last week I had a hard word for you, and I fully am aware of that uh, because it was a hard word for me, as I talked with you a little bit about last week. Uh, we started talking about taming the tongue, and we went to a number of different places. But where we started was First Peter 3, where Peter was asking this young body of believers, how many of you want to love life and see good days? And just polling our audience here in the room, every single one of us said, absolutely, I want to love life and I want to see good days. But what follows that is Peter saying, if you want to love life and see good days, then you have to keep your tongue from evil. You have to seek peace and pursue it. That you have to turn away from wickedness and repent. And then we went to James chapter 3. And do you remember what James challenges? He gave us, man, that incredibly hard word about our tongue. That our tongue is a very small part of our body, but it makes great boast. That it shapes the whole direction of our life. That it's like a spark that can set a whole forest on fire. It's like a rudder that can steer the largest ship it's like a bit that you put into the mouth of a horse and make it go in whatever direction you want it to go. It sets the whole course of our life in one direction or the other, which in itself was challenging. But then James says, and no man can tame the tongue, which we're saying, listen, I'm living in light of this. I'm being convicted by this. And then James says, no man can tame the tongue. And it's very easy to say, well, how am I ever going to change? What is going to be different if no man can tame the tongue? But what we saw was the Holy Spirit can tame the tongue. That He can transform us as believers in Jesus Christ. He can make us different. And so we ended last week with that prayer that we pray regularly. Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth. That prayer that David had to the Lord, set a guard over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. Because this is what we know. If the Lord doesn't intervene in our speech and in our life, we will never change. It will continue down the same trajectory it's on right now. But we believe he will. We believe that's a prayer that honors him. When we say, watch over my mouth, don't let my words go anywhere that don't please you. That is a prayer that honors him every time. So today I want to build on this idea of transforming our tongues because I want to give you a positive vision, a positive vision. Remember that one of the things we're hoping in all of this is to help us understand the importance of a contrast. That scripture and places like 1 Peter and James, they were calling those believers to live a life that contrasts with the world. 
That as followers of Christ, we don't say the same things the world says. We don't do the same things. We don't spend our money the same way. There should be a difference in how a follower of Jesus Christ lives versus a regular person in the world that doesn't know the Lord. And the reason it's critically important is because as we have a contrast, it accentuates the gospel. And it shows the power of the gospel. And we can say, if you see a difference in me, if I've been transformed, it's only because the gospel has changed me. The blood of Jesus has changed me. The Holy Spirit that lives in me has changed me. If you knew me 10 years ago and I'm not like I was now, then that's because the gospel's changed me. But when there's no contrast, what happens is that the world looks at you And then they say, well, if being a Christian means being just like you, I'm just like you already, I can just be who I want to be. And it begins to denigrate the gospel. Peter and James and the Holy Spirit call us to a contrast in how we live. And we talked about our tongue is one of the ways that can be a dramatic separator between the people of the world and the people of Christ. This is why we got to tame the tongue. Because we want to be different. We also want to be people that bless with our tongue and not wound with our tongue. And so today we're going to talk about the opposite benefit of having our our tongue tamed, not tied, but tamed. The benefit is not only do we stop sowing hurt into people's lives, but we begin to pour blessing into their lives. So I want us to Open up scripture, and we're going to flip to a couple places this morning, so I want you to be ready. We'll turn a whole bunch of places. If you get lost, just look at your notes. You can go back and look at it in your own time. I want to start all the way in Genesis chapter 1, where God starts things. It's amazing how many of the things that we deal with right now find their answer in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. We just got to go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. Starting in verse 26, God has created everything in creation. He's about to create Adam and Eve as his crowning achievement in creation. And look at what he says within himself. He says, let us. I mean, he's talking within himself, within the Trinity. Listen to this. Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock And over all the animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I want you to watch verse 28. Because what I want to see is all the way back to the beginning, God is a God who blesses his people. So the first act over a human being after creation, watch this. So God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So notice this, before the first command comes to Adam and Eve, before the first command which is go be fruitful, subdue the world. What came first? God blessed them. He blessed them so that they could obey His commands. 
We were having a great discussion this morning in Sunday school about God's standard being so high and how can we ever fulfill God's standard. Here's the answer to that. Before God ever commands us to do anything, He blesses us so that we can fulfill that command. What blessing do you have to help you to fulfill the commands God's given? You've got the Word of God. You've got the people of God. You've got the blood of Jesus covering your life. And more importantly, you have the Holy Spirit of God to empower you to do anything Jesus says He wants you to do. He blesses us first and then He commands us to do. It's all the way back to the beginning. We have a God who blesses people. Keep going to Genesis chapter 12, just a few chapters to your right. The world progresses and grows. God destroys it by flood and then begins to repopulate it through Noah's descendants until He comes down to Abram. And by every indication, Abram seems to be this man who was living like everyone else in his culture, an idol worshiper who did not know the Lord until chapter 12 comes along where he begins uh, to hear the voice of God. God speaks to him by his grace. And listen to what he says in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord has said to Abram, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now listen to what he promises him. I'll make you a great nation. Does that sound like a blessing? Uh, If you don't have children, that sounds like a blessing, right? I'll, I'll make you a great nation. And I will, what? I will bless you. I will make your name great. Does that sound like a blessing? Yeah. And I will, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And I'll curse those who curse you. That sound like a blessing? I'd sign up for that any day of the week. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Which is amazing. I'm, Abram, I'm pulling you up into this amazing plan that I have to pull a people out of this world to be my very own people. And you're going to be the start of that. And I'm going to bless you and give you an inheritance and a nation and a land. I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing. That's amazing. Now flip to the right, to the book of Numbers, just a couple books to the right. Genesis just continues where Abraham's descendants grow until they become so numerous, they end up in bondage in Egypt. Then they come out of Egypt, right, with all of the plagues, and God leads them to become a new nation. And they were supposed to take just a couple days' walk, but because of their disobedience, they end up walking in the desert for 40 years until they could learn obedience. But even while they're there, God begins to reveal himself to them. And he sets up how they should worship him. And he created the tabernacle. And he shows them how to make uh, all kinds of sacrifices and offerings. And he, he raises up priests that can bless the people and intercede between he and the people. And I want you to look in Numbers chapter 6 down to verse 22. I want you to listen to what God commands the priests who he had set up over his people to do when the people would come to bring their offering once a year or when they come to bring a special offering. He said, this is what I want you to do for my people when they come. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, those are the first priests, Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you 
and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So every time an Israelite came to the tabernacle, what was commanded of the priest? You bless them. Bless them when they come. Bless them when they leave. Bless them with my presence. Look at verse 27. Here's why he wanted them to bless them. Listen to verse 27. So that they will put my name on the Israelites. And I will bless them. He says, put my name on my people. When they come, remind them they're my people. They're not like everybody else. They don't worship like everybody else. They don't follow kings like everybody else. These are my people. You put my name on my people, and when his name falls on his people, blessing comes. Blessing comes. Man, if, if I could have one goal for you as a body of believers, as, as you leave this place, you live in such a way that people know the name of God rests on your life. That you accurately represent who Jesus is in this word. Because that's going to be a blessing not just to you, but to the people you meet everywhere you go. The name of Jesus resting on you. Now I want to go to the New Testament, so keep all the way to your right. Keep going to Luke. So obviously the history of Israel progresses all the way up until John the Baptist arrives and then he foretells the coming of Jesus Jesus comes on the scene, and for the first time ever, someone really starts to unpack the heart of God and to talk to God's people about what it was like for the kingdom of God to come among them, the rule and reign of God. What does it look like to be a person who lives under the God as his king and to have God's rule over their heart? He teaches them all kinds of things. He does all kinds of miracles. There's all kinds of things that take place in that three and a half years of his ministry. But I want you to look at one of the things he says in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. How kingdom people should live. Again, the contrast. That kingdom people live differently than the people of the world. Look at what he says. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Will that set you apart from the world? What does the world teach us? Destroy your enemies. Not just separate yourself from your enemies, but destroy them. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Boy, that'll separate you out. I guarantee every single one of us has one person that we know just hates our guts. Uh, you, you have a pretty good idea that that person just hates your guts. And Jesus says, and when that person comes to mind, guess what I want you to do? I want you to go do good to them. So that neighbor who hates your guts, go shovel their driveway tomorrow morning, not just your driveway. That coworker that hates your guts, leave them that extra piece of cake in the break room instead of eating it. Or maybe just... Bring a piece of cake and wrap it up and put their name on it. And put it in the fridge so when they find it, they have no idea who it was, but at least they got some cake for lunch. Do, do good to them. Do good to them. When your relative mistreats you, love them anyway. Bless them anyway. Pray for them anyway. For those who hate you, do good. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. 
Social media 101. You ready? Bless those who curse you. You'll never get into trouble. I promise. Bless those who curse you. The next time someone trashes you out in your inbox, say, Jesus bless you. I'm praying for you. The next time someone puts a snarky comment under the funny joke that you were just trying to make the world a better place, just bless them. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. And even if they keep mistreating you, pray for them. And if they just won't stop, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for those who mistreat you. Here's what you're doing. I'm leaving them out of my hands. And when I'm praying, I'm putting them into God's hands. Because what I know is God's the only one that can change them anyway. And it's better for me to put them in God's hands than trying to fix it in my hands. Boy, I've messed up more relationships than I can count by trying to fix them. And I've seen Jesus repair more relationships when I gave him room to work and I stayed out of it. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if Jesus wasn't enough, and Jesus is always enough, but let's go to the right to Romans chapter 12. Let's look at what Paul says. Look at the progression. It's gone from just blessing people. Now it's bless those who curse you. And Paul's going to take it another step. Paul is writing to the Romans to an established church that he'd never been to yet, but he had heard of their faith. He had heard of how they were growing, and he's trying to encourage them. And now he's writing to them, and this is what he says. Romans chapter, four, uh, chapter 12, verse 14. Very simple. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So now we've moved from Blessing those who curse you and doing good to those who mistreat you to blessing those who persecute you, which are actively out to destroy you and your faith. And if anybody knew about persecution, it was Paul because that was his job before he became a believer. He was persecuting other believers. He was having them arrested and murdered and executed for their faith. And here's what Paul says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Bless and do not curse. And by the way, he's writing to believers who are in a city that had just begun to systematically persecute them for their faith. It hadn't got all the way there yet, but in just a few years, it was going to get there because an emperor named Nero comes along. And Nero begins to blame believers for everything that was going on in Rome that was negative and stirring people up against the believers. And he would have them captured. He would have them executed. This is a man who would take believers and he would tie them to poles and he would douse them with wax until it hardened. And then he would light them on fire so that they would light up his garden parties. This is the real deal. You know what Paul says? Bless those who persecute you. Bless Nero. Bless Nero. Don't curse Nero. Bless Nero. Bless Nero. So how do you and I not only see our tums, our tums, our tongues, 
tank so that we are not only not sowing negativity into the world, but we are actually pouring blessing into the world. We become a conduit of God's blessing. Just a couple things I encourage you to, to write these down in your notes so that you can sit before the Lord this week and allow him to speak into you here. I want us to understand blessing this morning. The first is this. God is serious about blessing people, and we should be too. God's serious about blessing people. The first thing he does for humanity is bless them. And then he pulls Abraham out, and he blesses him so he could bless us thousands of years later. He tells his priests, when my people come, bless them. Bless them when they come to offer to me. Jesus taught us, bless those who curse you. He's serious. Then Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Our God is serious about blessing people, and we should be too. We should be too. Number two, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Adam and Eve were blessed so that they could multiply on the earth. You and I are the result of that action, that command, that blessing. We were part of that. You're here because they were blessed. Abraham was blessed at the end so all nations can be blessed. You're a believer in Jesus Christ because Abraham was blessed. You weren't born a Jew, most of you weren't born a Jew. You were a Gentile. But the gospel came through Abraham and through David, down through Jesus, and came to us. All nations are blessed because of the blessing of Abraham. We're blessed to be a blessing. Those believers who survived that persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire is the ones who blessed even Nero. They are the ones who faithfully took the gospel down through history so that you and I could sit in a pew this morning and know very, very little about persecution. They took it to bless us. And we are blessed now. And we're blessed to be a blessing. To be a blessing. The money in your bank account is not your money. It's God's money. He put it in your bank account, not just to bless you, but so you can bless somebody else. The children under your roof are not just your children. They are God's gifts to you to be a blessing to the world. And so we train them up and we train them to love the Lord and to obey him and to know his word and to learn how to bless people so that when they go out into the world, they can be a blessing and they can have more children who can then be a blessing, who can have more children, who can be a blessing. And you get where I'm going. Your children are a blessing. Your husband and your wife is a blessing. They're a blessing. They're a blessing. They are a blessing. No matter what happened this morning or what happened last night, they're in your life to be a blessing. Some of you are married to people who are not believers. They're a blessing to you because it gives you a chance to live out your faith. And if they give you a hard time for being a believer, it gives you a chance to be ready for persecution. And they are a believer and they're not growing in your faith, then they're a blessing because it's a chance for you to disciple someone. And if they are a believer, then they're pouring into you. That's a blessing. Your spouse is a blessing. Young people, listen. Go marry someone. Go marry another blessing. 
Go marry someone else who knows Jesus and is blessing people because when you bless people and you go and marry someone who blesses people, you're going to bless people together. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Don't you go marry just anybody. Don't you go put a ring on the first thing that shakes your tail feathers at you. Listen to me. Wait on a blessing. You won't regret it. Oh, but Pastor Matt, I'm 28 now. (gasps) 28? 28? Abraham waited 15 years for his first kid, and he was already 90. He was already 90. Sometimes blessings take time, and I promise you, a blessed wife is worth waiting on. She's worth waiting on. There's worse things than being single at 28. It's called being divorced twice by 27. Seriously. There's worse things than being single at 28. We are blessed to be a blessing. Number three, never underestimate the power of a verbal blessing. Never underestimate the power of a verbal blessing. I said last week, and I'm dead serious, there are some of you that are still living under a verbal curse that a parent spoke to you at seven years old and you're 57 years old. We know the power of a negative word, don't we? We also, I think most of us, at least I pray, know the power of a positive word. Some of you are English teachers in this room because an English teacher told you you're an amazing writer. And for the first time, someone made you feel like that you had this skill set and ability and you could develop it and it was going it was going to be good. And you wanted to make somebody else feel like that. Like you wanted to make someone else feel like that. Never underestimate the power of a blessing. Husbands, don't you ever underestimate the power of blessing your wife. Well, I told her I loved her yesterday. Tell her again. I told her on the day we got married, it's okay to tell her every day. Bless your wife. Come home and say, baby, thank you so much for making this meal tonight. Thank you so much for doing those dishes. Thank you so much for keeping the kids in check until I got home. Thank you so much for things. I have no idea what you're doing. I just want to tell you, thank you so much for the blessing you are to me. And then tell her how that allows you to be a blessing to other people. By you doing this, it allows me to do this. Thank you so much. There's so many times I come home and I tell Heather, thank you so much for making a home that's a blessing to me because it allows me to go and deal with some of the darkest things in this world as I minister to people. And when I'm dealing with some of the darkest things in this world and I can come home and my wife has blessed me, then I can leave that at the door and I can wake up in the morning and I can go face it again. Never underestimate the power of a blessing. I've shared um, with you guys before about uh, my, my, my dad and my stepmother who have uh, progressed with dementia. My stepmother just passed away on January 2nd, and we've uh, transitioned my dad to live with my sister in Wilmington, and she is doing this incredible job. I, I, I'm so grateful um, for her gifts uh, to, to have my father there, and she's working so hard to make that a happen, to make that happen. And um, there's a lot of curses with Alzheimer's and dementia. There's a lot of curses, but there's a lot of blessings too. Here's one of the blessings that's come my way. Is when I talk to my dad, 
he is progressively forgetting more of who I am. And there was a long time that he would, when I would see him, he would say, um, how's church? How's it going? How are things like that? He doesn't ask me about church anymore because now that's starting, that's starting to flee his memory. And that hurts because that's something that really defines my life as a man. And now that's not something between us that defines us. But, but this is what happens. Virtually every single time I talk to my dad, this is what he says. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of who you are. I'm, I'm proud of you. And then this is one of the things he says every so often. He says, I just want you to know, you're one of my heroes. I've always looked up to you. And what's amazing to me is, on, I, I prayed a long time ago in college when my dad wasn't, work, wasn't walking with the Lord. I asked the Lord, on the day my dad dies, I want him to be one of my spiritual heroes. I want you to work in his heart. And you know what? God's done that. And so you know what I get to say back to him? Well, I know where I got it because you're my hero. Dementia is taking everything he remembers about me. He has a hard time calling my wife's name. He has a hard time calling my kid's name sometimes. Dementia is taking all that. But you know what's left? Him blessing me. To say, I'm proud of you. I look up to you. You're one of my heroes. Fathers, mothers, listen, if the last thing you have left in your mind is the ability to bless your kids, I'm telling you, you are blessed. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. Don't you ever underestimate the power of a verbal blessing over someone's life. Fathers, don't ever underestimate what it can do for your son to look him in the eye and say, listen, you're good at that. I could never work on a computer like that. You're, you're so good at that. Or even better, you are such a powerful young man of God. I'm so proud of you. I love how Jesus is growing in your life. I love how you're obeying him. I love what you're doing for the Lord. Fathers, one of the best things you can ever say to your daughter is this. You're going to make an amazing wife one day. You're going to make an amazing wife one day who is godly and who walks with Jesus and is going to have grandchildren that I know is going to walk with Jesus because you walk with Jesus. And you're going to make somebody incredibly healthy, happy and healthy. Uh, thank you for waiting for him to come along. You've got what it takes to be an amazing wife because you're an amazing daughter. Just a survey. Any of you would have loved to have heard that from your parents growing up? Anyone? Yeah, that's what I thought. We can't undo the curse on our life. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But you can make sure there is no curse on your children. If there's going to be curses in my family line, I want it to stop with Matt Walton. Not Sincaris Walton shouldn't have to carry the curses of my family line. I want to start, stop right here. And part of that is just blessing them. It's just blessing them. Number four, blessing our enemies is a powerful witness to the gospel. Your light will never shine brighter than when you treat your enemies like Jesus. Pastor, you just don't know 
how they're exploiting me. No, I, I, I don't know. I know how the world exploited Jesus, and I know what he did. He hung on a cross, and he prayed for people who would not believe in him. People who would not believe in them. He said, God, I want you to forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's what Jesus did. Your light will never shine brighter than when you are blessing those who persecute you and those who are your enemies. And keep doing it until God makes them your brothers and sisters in Christ. Praise God that believers didn't quit on Paul, but they prayed for him. And when he came to faith, he became this powerful leader in the early church because the early church hung tough and prayed and endured persecution. And when their enemy became their friend, it exploded. It exploded in the world. Blessing can do that. Blessing can do that. And number five, be spirit-filled and spirit-led in your blessing. Be spirit-filled and spirit-led in your blessing. Why is that critical? Why is it critical for me as a follower of Christ who has the Holy Spirit of God that indwells me to be submitted to the Holy Spirit so that he overwhelms every part of my life and hides Matt Walton day in and day out so that I can hear his voice and he can send his power through me to transform people? And people can forget about me and focus on him. Why is that critical as I bless people? Because if you're not inviting the Holy Spirit to be part of that blessing, then it's going to turn into flattery and insincerity. And everybody figures out what flattery and insincerity is. Because here's what's happening in our world. I will flatter you to your face, and then I will go to my boss and I will trash you out. Right? I'll flatter you on Twitter as long as I get a vote. But as soon as I'm off Twitter, I forget the camera is on. I'll trash and trash and trash. There was a school board in San Francisco this week. The entire school board had to, had to resign. I don't know if you saw this. The entire school board had to resign because they were having a Zoom meeting, a public Zoom meeting. They did not know the camera was on five minutes before the public Zoom meeting. And the board members were trashing out a parent who sent a letter in to complain about something. They were complaining about not only the letter, but then they were complaining about her parenting skills, even though they don't know her. And they were criticizing everything that she criticized about. And they were online. And nationwide, people are demanding that they resign. And they all did. An entire school board resigned in one night. Why? Because they were not careful. They will say one thing out here and something else out here. I want to say something to you. When you're spirit-led and spirit-filled, the Holy Spirit is going to give you words to say to people that are going to stick in their heart, not bounce off their ears. So when you go into Subway today and you're in that line and there's seven people in front of you and there's 15 people behind you and those sandwich artists are working hard to get your Italian BMT or whatever else it is with extra tomato and no mayo done and you're sitting there and she's chopping lettuce and spinach is flying, you can look at her and you can say, listen, you're really good at this. Like if you think I could stand back there and I could make sandwiches while all these people are in there and there, you're crazy. You're really great at this. It will make somebody's day. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to Him. 
Sometimes he will tell you to say things to people that make no sense. It will make no sense, but it will be the key to their heart for the gospel. Be spirit-led, spirit-filled. We want to be people who bless people, not curse them. And the Holy Spirit's got to do the work on both ends. If he doesn't change my mouth, I'll keep cursing people. If he doesn't empower me, I won't know how to bless. Do you get this? It's all his work. This is all his work, good and bad. It's all his work. We submit to him. We submit to him. So what's Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26 tell me to do for you as God's people? I won't bless you. Is that okay? As your pastor, and by the way, it doesn't make me special because 1 Peter chapter 2 says, you are now priests. You're priests in God's house. You can pronounce this blessing over anyone, over your family, over your children, over any one of these people. It doesn't make me special. But that blessing is this. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You need peace right now? I bless you with peace. I bless the name of the Lord to go on to you this morning so that when you go out from here, you take it with you and that you'll be a marked person. A good pastor friend of mine that told me this one time, he said, this is what I pray for my children all the time. I pray that they will be marked by God, that their life will be marked by God so that when people encounter them, they will know there's something different about my children. I want you to be marked by God today. The praise team is going to come and lead us in a